If you enjoyed listening today, you won't want to miss next week's episode, so be sure to subscribe. Eating disorders are crippling illnesses, but with the right support, they can be recovered from. We really hope you enjoyed this episode, but if you require more support right now, please look into charities such as First Steps and Beat for support, or talk to someone you trust. In this week's podcast, I'm joined by Lara Rebecca. Lara and I had never met, and we had spoken a little bit on WhatsApp, but honestly, this podcast, it's like we've known each other for years. It was such an amazing podcast to do and reflect on Lara's journey of self-discovery following her eating disorder. And it was so nice for me to hear as somebody that is going through my own recovery journey to hear about the life that she now leads and the identity that she now has away from her eating disorder. I really hope that you enjoy this conversation and honestly I know it sounds really silly but whether you're wandering going for a walk in the sunshine or sitting drinking a cup of tea eating some biscuits I just really hope that this episode you feel like you're sat down with two friends because I genuinely felt like I was just having a catch-up with one of my friends and there was lots of giggles and hopes for the future and it was a really lovely episode to record. Hello! How are you doing? Oh, I'm so happy to finally be talking to you. <laughs> it's so nice to finally meet you. I feel like I already know you, which probably sounds really weird. But I feel I like, feel like I've, I've like been romanticizing Philippines podcast for like so long. It's like you, you're the cream of the crop in this like region. It's just like oh god, no, I feel exactly the same about you. And because like you know George and I know George and like just feel like I already know you and yeah it's so nice I to met him speak through the most I think it was I I went to do a talk I was invited up to King's College London uh-huh. to do a talk and then we met through that so the fact that through that relationships that's yeah. formed that's like I love how these things just like domino down and almost like come back like a book that I've been a part of he's also a part of too but we never yeah. knew that we were both a part of and it's just like these it's so cool to how how like we've got a small little niche community but mm-hmm. it's lovely too yeah and it I think that's the thing like sometimes I'm like oh it's such a small world but you know bloody blah and I know bloody blah and I'm like well it's not actually that much of a small world because <laughs> it's quite a niche community <laughs> It definitely is, but we support each other. We support each other. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. But honestly, it's so nice. Um, the book, is that Chuck's book? Yes. Yeah, yes. it's actually been in the making for over like two and a half towards three years. Like it took a while to Whoa. find a publisher and things. Yeah, so um, yeah, I finished a degree and started a degree and bought a house in that oh my time. God. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. I love that. Yeah, I, ma- I imagine like it's a massive weight off your shoulder as well to be able to speak about it because I feel like it's been a secret. But... Yeah, like I think... I think over the past year, because it's like, oh, it's never going to happen. It, you kind yeah. of for, forget about it. So the one Chuck's messaged me a few days back, it's like, it's happening. I'm like, ah! And he said, it's, the launch is on Thursday. I was like, oh, wow, okay. Fine, <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll prepare some like some captions ready because I, I want to yeah. share all about it. Um, yeah. So, oh, it's just so exciting to know that it's actually happening. And like Diane Buswell's doing it. How cool is that? I know. Yeah, like when I saw it, I was like, there are <laughs> Oh, oh we're recording. Oh, no. <laughs> No, no, it's totally fine. I The only reason I do it, I, I said this to somebody the other day, is because people, what I found happened was I would be chit-chatting like we are now, like, you know, loads Very of energy, true. like really excited. There's hidden gems in this bit. And then I'd go, right, I'm going to press record, and people just froze. And then they're like, oh my God, we're now talking. And then they just like 
transform into this different person. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. where's that yeah, person yeah, yeah. just gone? So the reason I do it is just so that like, just constantly. Nah, I'm going to take like, that advice. There's also, I'm going to have to prod your brain after this as well, because I need suggestions. Yeah. I need, I need help. Oh, so, um, oh, well, yeah. I'm happy to, yeah, happy Pod- to help, podcasting cues. <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, after three and a half years, I'll start trying to make this a bit more progressive. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, honestly, I, never. I, uh, I keep having all these brilliant ideas, and then I'm like, oh, I don't have time for that in my life, and I'm like, I'm just gonna do what I'm doing right now. Cause, I think it's are right. you the same with like video and short form content and like no, how much that takes video. so ages like, that's why it's, I don't it's, do the, it. it's the way that people like that's how you know you think about Stephen Bartlett and CVO and everyone's yeah. got this thing with captions I'm just like I am one person juggling a degree and two yeah, jobs exactly and as much as I'd love because I know I could see how it progresses one I don't want to oversaturate my Instagram because I feel like I've already got like so many different yeah. things happening in that already but then all the work and I'm just like, do I just leave it in its corner? I'm like, just leave it in its corner. Like, yeah, don't don't just, give yourself too much pressure, love. Exactly. Like it's, do, it's when it's doing like really well anyway, and people are getting what they're getting from it. Like, there's no point in burning yourself out, which I think for me, like, we're I'm all now very a, good at. Oh yeah, so absolutely. I mean, that is that is the perk of having eating disorder characteristics, isn't it? Oh gosh, um, perfectionism and all sorts. <laughs> which. On the note of that, um, where you have to go at half seven, so oh no no no, so I, I'm I'm absolutely fine now. I got dumped, oh, so okay. it's fine. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh like Just actually, keep that bit in. actually dumped. Like, well, it wasn't like a formal relationship to begin with, but um, oh. yeah, no, it's fine. Like, I'm actually oh. I'm actually quite relieved. Okay, um, that's good because I took initiative the first time. And I was kind to myself and rather than giving him the power and the control that I could always do, I stood up for myself. And this was like an hour ago. So. Oh, this is fresh. Okay. Fresh off the press. <laughs> you heard it here first. You heard it here first. Oh, fine. I'll stop uh, rumbling out about oh, my no, no, failed it's, relationship history. It's totally fine. If I'm a little bit over, it's fine. Um, but yeah, I'm... Uh, I've got Perfect. board games night, so absolutely, you know. Abs- oh, what are your favourites? Well, see, this is the problem. So, the, my I like simple games. I like like Connect Four and like that. <laughs> but the friends that I am hanging out with are there's an end like, point to those as well. It's not like Monopoly yes, that takes a short, lifetime. Short, you can talk. Predictable. Doing it. The friends I'm hanging out with like D- they're D and Ders, so they like intense board games of like hours. That's, yeah. Um, I think so I'm we'll see how that. long I last. I'm a, I'm a hybrid. I'm, a, I'm in the I'm the in the middle. Yeah. Uh, my thing is, I don't like learning new games, but once I get the hang of that, I'm then like super into it. Yeah, because it's threatening. Is that learning unfamiliarity, perceived incompetence. It all comes back to that, yeah. doesn't it? Oh yeah. Well, it's all sounding very familiar. <laughs> um. Anyway, right to the topic of today. Um. I don't even know how to start this because I feel like we've started it but haven't started it. So. Tell us something about yourself. Oh, let's do that. I've never done that before. That's that's really rogue way to start it. Um, who are you and why are you here? Oh wow. <laughs> um, I'm somebody that colour codes the bookshelves. Um I, <laughs> which is true. You can see my shit behind me that I do not have that. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Lara Rebecca. I am a mental health and eating disorder witness advocate based in South Wales. I'm fluent Welsh, so I've been able to do my advocacy work bilingually, which has been really lovely. Um, 
this was all inspired by my previous experiences with some anxiety, depression, which then developed into anorexia nervosa through, you know, years of uh, disorder tendencies just amalgamated, unfortunately. And this was just my opportunity to kind of change the narrative a little bit. I definitely want to educate and be raw and honest about my experiences, but I don't want there always to be an association of doom and gloom and heaviness. I want to educate, raise awareness, spread a kind of a concept of hope and um, yeah, use my experiences to hopefully facilitate others and not it just be a what was you kind of situation mm-hmm. um you know it wasn't easy as as you definitely know they strip years away from you you know your identity gets engulfed in this illness and relationships fail and life goes a different direction than what you thought it would initially but as time progresses as recovery becomes more authentic as you find yourself outside of um that eating disorder label you know, that hope and that freedom and that ability to reconnect with the world and re-identify yourself. It's so like intoxicating and exciting. So you want to share it. You want to share that things are good now. So yeah, I just try to raise awareness through, um, uh, I do a lot of media work and work with BBC and ITV, but also through my own podcast and just ramble my way through life, basically, whilst eating a lot of peanut butter. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. What do you do? I ramble my way through life and eat peanut butter. Um, That sounds like a great way to live, not gonna lie. Um, And I really like what you were saying there in the fact that like, you know, when we do speak about eating disorders, it can be, you know, they're they're crap and they do like ruin people's lives whilst they're there, but they're not, they don't have to be a permanent feature of somebody's life. And that's why I think it's so nice that people are able to reflect on their journey and then say like this is where I'm at now and this is what I'm doing now and you know this all this amazing stuff that yes some of it's eating sort of related and I'm doing this advocacy stuff and like I'm raising awareness but I'm also like living my life like you said you've bought a house you're doing a degree like you're doing so much more I'm sure as well as that um yeah I think it's important to know where the line is because you don't want to always be living in your past and I know as much as I do raise awareness about disordered eating I am very interested in mindset work and self-development and you know looking at life beyond and not always having to look back and Mm. dig out the past definitely there's a huge component of what we absolutely need to do but I think for my own safety my own well-being it's not just about always fixating on that it's about uh, my long distance running about my a ridiculous collection of books um, about my degree. I've just started my master's in sports psychology because I have a really huge fascination with athlete well-being. Um, I love going to cafes and meeting my friends and it's making sure that there's that balance. As much as I am Lara Becker, this advocate, I'm also just Lara who mm-hmm. is a 23-year-old trying to figure life out and have failed relationships as we've just had a little chat about. <laughs> And Laura Rebecca that gets dumped. Um, which sorry if that was too raw to say, but I just I just couldn't not say it. Um, yeah, and I think that's the thing, isn't it? It is having that balance, and I think this is something that I wanted to talk to you about. And I gave you like a little order of things, and actually, let's just throw it out of the window. But I, I guess one thing that is i find so important and one thing i really wanted to talk to you about today was identity and Mm. i think you've kind of 
opened a really nice um, conversation there in terms of that balance. Because I think often we go from having an eating disorder and our identity being the eating disorder because ultimately you don't have the energy for anything else to be part of your identity because it absorbs everything and I've seen a lot of people and I was one of these people which I do believe is why I've relapsed their identity becomes that they're recovered and they don't have anything else so have you had experience of that and then you know have you well you have now got that balance so how did you work towards getting a balanced life I actually had a conversation with a friend recently about recovered being quite to the point and mm-hmm. I I said I, I don't identify as somebody that's recovered from an eating disorder I am somebody that has had experience with disordered eating and I'm now in a far better place of regulating it I'm fortunate that I've not engaged in the thoughts or engaged in behaviors but I wonder if the coping mechanisms and the healthy kind of mindset I have now, there's going to be moments where there's an uncertainty or when I go traveling, I'm like, oh, I wonder what the food's going to be like. It's still like a thought in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never really felt comfortable saying recovered. But that doesn't mean that I'm in a very, very positive place in my recovery. Like I am leaps and bounds beyond the place that I was five years ago, which fuels me with enthusiasm and excitement. But I wonder if this label of recovery is even more pressure because, as we mentioned, perfectionism is so highly associated with concept of disordered eating. So if we're not perfect in that recovered, you know, label, then we just give ourselves grief. If we have one moment of a natural human emotion where we feel like we read a calorie on a menu and get a bit stressed about it, or if we have uh, a body image wobble when you you see your reflection, you know, unexpectedly, and it's like, oh, I oh, I'm not sure if I like that, and I feel a bit weird about it, you know. These things come and go because they were so ingrained. It's natural. So I think having that level of acceptance and having that level of self-appreciation and self-compassion to know that we're on this positive path of recovery, but we also can have natural human emotions. You know, suffering disordered eating and eating disorder tendencies, they aren't something that just happens for one Tuesday and vanishes the next week. It's something that's deeply rooted, ingrained. Um, So it's just respecting that as well. and. It's just being rational and realistic with yourself. Um, So there's definitely a balance and a fine line with it. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it because I think if you took a like random Joe blogs on the street and you said to them, let's say, you know, have you ever had an eating disorder? They say no. And then you say, have you ever had a disordered thought about your body? Or have you ever felt uncomfortable about your body? Or have you ever felt uncomfortable about eating something or, you know, questioned what you're eating? I'd imagine like 99.9999999% of people would say yes. And so to expect yourself to go from food, body and exercise, completely consuming your everyday life to then never having a negative thought again, that in itself to me like you're saying is is a lot of pressure and very very unrealistic i have friends that have never really struggled severely with eating disorder like have never really had it but you can see that they've had moments of insecurity and they've had moments of their self esteem wavering in and out within these contexts and you know i've got a little sister in a private school and there's already conversations regarding body image and things and you know it's just things that you 
are inevitably going to be exposed to specifically within this 21st century and social media perfectionism you know these unrealistic highlight reels it's something that regardless of an illness or a diagnostic we're all susceptible to and we're all vulnerable to Mm. so it it sounds sucky like we have to surrender to it at some point that we're going to feel a bit wobbly every now and then but as long as we remember that we've come far and we are going to continue going further um so it's having realism having self-compassion being resilient but then also knowing that it's okay to have a wobble every now and then because sometimes I know when I've had quote-unquote wobbles with my mental health or I've had a depressed day or a panic attack the grief I give myself after that Mm. is worse than the initial feeling because you bully yourself for not being perfect for not being the advocate that's supposed to be perfect and supposed to have Mm. all their shit together um apologies my French um but yeah it's knowing it's knowing that things aren't always perfect and that's okay yeah and it's and fine think, to say that in hindsight because when you're in it's yeah. a bit more difficult <laughs> yeah just be okay with it yeah, it's um, fine I think there's there's like two things that come to mind from what you've just said one is that in when you do have that negative thought I think for me recovery and the recovery process is okay let's say you're you're having a bad day you have a negative body image thought it's how you then respond to that like do you then follow down the path of your previous behaviors and do whatever you used to do because you had that negative thought or may as well go in let's just go in for it this time yeah or do you do you have a healthy response to that of oh you know actually I recognize right now that I don't really feel very comfortable in my body, but what's that telling me? Is that telling me that like I had a disagreement with somebody earlier and that's made me feel shitty about myself or like, did I not quite do something right at work and now I'm feeling shitty about myself. And that to me is recovery is being able to cope in a more healthy way rather than turning towards the eating disorder. Yes. Yes. And it's being able to unpack it and it's being able to rationalize emotions and it's being able to just sit with thoughts and take a step back and understanding what are the roots here? Why do I feel this way? Um, And not just responding immediately to that anxious thought, to that worry, to that apprehension and really kind of sitting with it and thinking, a little bit more deeply with yourself. And I think that's what, why reflection is so important, why journaling is so important, why speaking up is so important. You know, sometimes I'll call my dad. I'm like, right, right now, I want you to say absolutely nothing. I'm just going to talk to you <laughs> because I'm going to go through this really weird brain process of like throwing emotion at you and throwing information. And then it's going to help me process things. Yeah. Because you need to, you need to file a fax it in your head. Yes. Um, so yeah, I think recovery is a huge uh step in self-awareness and mm. understanding yourself and it's not just letting the eating sort of control you it's taking control over it um i think that's a huge component of it absolutely mm. yeah and it all sounds brilliant in like hindsight sounds you know oh. sounds wonderful in like you know oh recovery is you know responding in a healthy way and, and doing things that support yourself but I'm pretty sure somebody is sat at home going, that's really cool that you can do that, but I'm currently in the depths of my eating disorder. So I know that it's not just as simple as do this and therefore be okay. But how did you begin that journey of going from constantly relying on eating disorder behaviours to now being where you are and being able to 
reflect and acknowledge when maybe things aren't quite how they should be and putting in place healthier behaviors it's taken years i i think that even though i was officially clinically discharged january 2017 i think it's only until like a year or two after that that my authentic recovery began because there's a difference when you fit the BMI criteria and when you fit the psychological criteria mm. of feeling that you're more in control. So a big component of me was just accepting the reasons as to why I started developing those anxious tendencies and thus disorder tendencies. Um, you know, my story is unique and, you know, hearing about it isn't really good for to anyone, but once you kind of take the time to truly reflect on it no matter how uncomfortable no matter how confronting it is or embarrassing it is or intimidating it is it's once you take that step and take the moment to reflect and appreciate okay what are truly the underlying psychological reasons as to why i feel like this way of behavior is normal to me um it definitely took that me medical intervention for me to make that step and make that awareness because they kind of force you out of the routine and you start thinking more rationally. So I think it was only when they intervened that I was therefore able to think a bit more rationally about my headspace as well. Um, but it's, it's just taking that step of acknowledgement and journaling was really helpful, really trying to like knuckle down. Uh, I had one book, yes, about daily reflections, but I had another book that was just you know, what recovery will allow and this and, and, and looking at all the optimistic side of things and trying to think about what the eating disorder has taken away from me and what therefore I will gain from it and thinking about it more optimistically. Um, you know, you're in a really dark headspace. So sometimes that way of thinking can't be easy. Mm. Um, but it was just reconnecting with family on a deeper level, playing with sisters, playing with my new dogs and then you start realizing the life that you've lost mm. you know we adopted new greyhounds and I wasn't allowed to take them on the first few walks because I was bed bound so when I was given the, the green flag to say you can actually take them to the park that's right outside your front door and do one lap and come back I was amazing because mm. oh I finally get to take Carrie and Razzle out for, <laughs> for their first little walk um so yeah I think it's just patience but acknowledging the deep rooted stuff too mm. um and then just knowing that it's not ever gonna kind of end it sounds bad but you're, it's always a continuing process you learn you unpack more um you gain more skills you gain more healthier coping mechanisms you add more tools to your toolbox um but it's about acknowledging the underlying psychological things and ensuring that your environment is one that's facilitative of recovery and not debilitating it, uh, which mm. is very difficult regarding your circumstance. Um, but it's probably the most impactful thing that you can do to yourself. If your influences around you aren't encouraging, it's, it's never going to work out. Mm. Yeah. I think what you were saying there about trying to acknowledge things that you're missing out on. Um, what I found with that was I kind of, when I would do that, I would think about the massive things. I'd be like, you know, you can't, I can't even think of an example, but I'd go to like 
the, the end of the line, basically. And then I think, well, realistically, is life that bad without, you know, maybe being able to go, yeah, let's say like to a 10 course taster meal that's like a thousand pounds to eat the food? Like, that'd be a great experience. We'd get all dressed up and that'd be cool. But like, that's not something that's happening on a day to day basis. Yeah. But it was when I started thinking about, or like, not even thinking it was when I started recognizing like oh I'm not able to give my boyfriend a kiss the first time that the first moment he wakes up in the morning because I'm already out of bed because I've gone to exercise and that's a daily thing and I was missing out on that connection or like I'm not able to I don't know sit and eat breakfast with my boyfriend because he wakes up later than me and I've got a set time that I need to eat and all of that sort of thing when I started to actually unpack those things and those little things that I was missing out on all the time I then started to think this is actually having a massive impact on my life because every element of my life is being impacted rather than just thinking about the bigger picture things of oh I can't currently go to um the Ritz for like afternoon tea because it's not something that happens every day so I'm not bothered by it it's bringing it back to your experience and your life and then when you focus on how those ritualistic behaviors they've become so ritualistic and so habitual that it's so um, automatic Mm -hmm. you don't realize it so once you do bring awareness to it and how you know I wasn't able to play with my little sisters or how I wasn't properly able to go to high school and have that universe um, have that you know teenage experience and go to house parties um I you know would stress about going on holiday like it's all, all these things and but then when you think of the flip side and you come where to where you are today and I know that oh my gosh I was able to take my sister out on a scooter mm-hmm. and that's something I couldn't have done or how my parents say oh we're going for dad's birthday meal I'm not stressing about where are we going? I need the menu. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I need to make this. It's like, okay, cool. Send me the dress. I'll be there. Um, or, you know, when you realize on the flip side of what you are now gaining um, and the experiences, the experiences that you're able to have and the opportunities that you're not missing out on. Um, again, the little ones. It's the little yeah. ones that really do hit home um, that make it all very special. How do you, because I think it's it's lovely, obviously, now that you can say, like, I am able to go out for dinner for my dad's birthday and not even think about it. How do you look after yourself compassionately about the things that you did miss? Hmm. Gosh, it's funny because I think I've subconsciously just accepted that I've n- I, I lost my teenage life to it. Um, and I know that that means, means that I've not had like high school relationships or high school friendships and, you know, people, they reconnect post-university and mm. I'm not really part of that group because I was the odd one out. I went to a different school because there was a bit of bullying and there was a bit of um, drama and it's just, it didn't, it wasn't an environment I was, I was really wanting to be in. And it meant that, I missed that like de- developmental stage of going to house parties and experiment with alcohol and like partying. And um, I had to grow up really quickly. But I think I don't mourn it. I think 
I really respect the place where I am today. Okay. The fact that I don't drink and I'm not interested in alcohol, is that because of that? Yeah, fine. Actually, I'm fine that I don't drink. You know, it's, it means I can spend more money on coffee. Who cares? Um, <laughs> and it's, I think I've just accepted it. I think I've grown up really quickly. You know, I've had divorced parents as well. And I had a bit of a turbulent personal life. So I think I've just grown to accept that mm. that bit just didn't really happen for me. But life now is pretty snazzy. Like I've got really cool people around me um, and the friendships I have, they're not high school friendships, but I have, you know, a really small handful of really close good eggs um, and that's great. And in all fairness, although I've lost some experiences, I think it made me respect the ones I have now. Mm -hmm. uh, you have a far deeper level of gratitude because you know that everything you're experiencing now is like your second chance like you, you there was a p potential that you know you couldn't you know I, I could have lost my life um so to know that that didn't happen it means that everything is just a bit more sweeter on this side mm. yeah I, I was just really interested because I think a lot of the time people are like oh you know with my eating disorder I missed out on this that and the other and I think you're so right in that the only thing that you can actually do and for it to be a positive like influence on you is to just accept that it's happened like it's funny it, i don't think i've done it consciously it's, it's you asking that that i've actually only mm. properly thought about it um i, I just what think else that... can you do about it you 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 can't you can't do anything about the fact that it's that it's happened you know i think that you could sit here and you could think oh you know it's really upsetting that i wasn't able to have those teenage experiences and all of that but ultimately and and this may be a very kind of weird way of looking at it but the experiences that we have as a teenager let's say are the experiences that make us a person that we are today so yes you maybe didn't have the the fun experiences or you know the quite embarrassing experiences of you know getting drunk at a house party or whatever but you had your own experiences and that's who's yeah. that's what's made you the person that you are today so I think my perspective of it is, yes, it's sad that maybe you missed out on some things that a teenager, sh you know, should experience, but then you wouldn't be who you are now. So Yeah, and I think also, I think obviously this is subconscious protective. You, you don't want to waste energy on negatively reflecting on something that you inevitably cannot change. Mm. But it meant that, you know, the relationship with my dad just got, blinking amazing and mm. we watched so many episodes of big bang theories and made so many cups of tea um you know there was a lot of things that came positively from it and i'm far more grounded as a person i'm definitely not somebody to follow a crowd i'm very much a individual person you know in university i'm not with, with a group I, I am my own person i'm very independent i i now do everything solo and you know, happily go to restaurants by myself and cafes by myself and travel by myself. Um, but I know some people that were struck and conformed into a group, they, they're unable to leave that unit. They can't be their own person. So potentially, you know, looking at the more advantageous and the more positive side of it, did it just teach me to be my own self without feeling like I need to conform to a social norm? Um, I don't feel I need to get peer pressured into drinking or peer pressured into late night, you know, clubbing like leave me to my great British bake-off evenings please 
that's it's, that's so true as well there's no actual joke in that yeah no um, I, I don't doubt it <laughs> I, I i'm currently re-watching old seasons when i wait for the new episode of the new season wow. to come out. there's that level of commitment going wow, on yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and i re-re-watching there's just the, the, there's comfort and predictability hey um but you know yeah co- coming back to it is yeah although missed out opportunities but i think i t- took positives from it yeah Something I have said quite a lot, and uh, George always says this to me, is, you know, the experiences that we've had, yeah, they were pretty crap, but never met people that are so self-aware. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, it's so funny. Sometimes I'll be in my therapy sessions and I'll be like, yes, I did this thing. And obviously that wasn't that great, but, you know, I did it because of this and that and the other. And therapist, my therapist is just like, okay. So we're we're very self-aware that that happened. That wasn't great. What do you want from me? <laughs> um, and I think that's for me is the biggest part is that I I'm able to really know what's going on with myself. And I look at some people and you know I don't pity them or whatever, but I'm I'm proud of the fact that I've been able to build those qualities to be so self-aware and and to be able to work through things on my own and know what my emotions mean rather than being so disconnected from them. And and like you said, doing things because I'm following a crowd or whatever. Like I very much when I don't want to do something will just say and I don't care if people are like, well that's a bit rude. Like, you know, obviously I'm not gonna be like, you know, a, a massive group of people want to go out for dinner and I'm just going to, well, going after dinner probably a bad example, uh, want to go to a music show. I literally can't think of an example. That's <laughs> but you know what I mean? When go you're to like, cabaret, darling. <laughs> when it's annoying for somebody to not want to do something. Um, I wouldn't be like that. But like, you know, if I don't want to do it, then I'm, I'm like a self-secure enough person that I don't need to do it just to please other people. Um but that's hard. That's really, really hard to recognize. And I think the reason I asked you about like, you know, mourning the time that you've lost to the eating disorder is because I think it is, it is really hard to not mourn it because you, you can think about, oh, I've missed out on that. But the way that I'm trying to spin it myself now, well, because I'm still in recovery myself. I mean, like you said, I think we're always in recovery, but I feel like I'm in that initial stage Mm. um is okay we missed out on x y and z let's not mix miss out on future things oh my god okay this is yes so as much as we've had this you you feel like you lose things and you mourn things i i think i'm i'm a little bit more juicy about it because I I don't know if juicy was the right word to use. Uh, <laughs> bitter about it. Bitter, that's the one. It's oh, because okay, as yeah, soon as, as, soon right as I came out of it and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to spread my wings. I'm going to mm. go meet people. I'm going to go make mistakes. I'm going to go date people. I'm going to go figure myself out. And then it's like, oh, right. March 2020. And you're like, for God's sake, yeah. we were just trying to go. So, you know, so there's a bitterness because I've lost life to personal issues, to anorexia nervosa and COVID-19. <laughs> and then I've not had a, a, a true, authentic university experience. Like I missed out on freshers. Mm. I missed out on meeting people. I was in a house uh, on campus, but I had to leave after two months and I literally lived by myself. And I, I've, there's a lot that's been missed out. Um, but also because... I don't really know what I have missed because I'm so used to the latter. Um, I'm just used to it. 
But in saying that, since coming out of one, an eating disorder, and two, a global pandemic, the I'm not going to lie, the past two years have been the best years of my life. Mm-hmm. And I started solo traveling last year, and I've met amazing people. I have been to incredible places. I've properly pushed myself out of my comfort zone. I went from not going away for five, six years to going dirt biking in the Moroccan desert with somebody that I never met. Nice. Joss. You know Joss too, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Is that yeah. What you met? So we've known each other for a few years. And she's like, it's my 30th birthday. Do you want to meet in Morocco? <laughs> I was like, sure thing. Wow. I know, I've not, and I hadn't left. Like, so that was a big jump for me. And then two weeks after that, I went solo backpacking around Italy for my 22nd birthday. And I was terrified because I'd never gone to an airport by myself. I've never navigated a city by myself. And, you know, it was quite a long time. I went to quite a few different cities. And after that first wobble, I had the best experience of my life. And it's like, you live again. Mm-hmm. I'm not surviving anymore. There's no baseline existence. This is me living. This is me seeing Michelangelo's David. This is me eating focaccia and watching sunsets on Piazza Michelangelo and seeing the, you know, the landscape of Florence light up in the sunset. This is me like having like 24 hour relationships with a really cute guy from Ohio and he bought me <laughs> roses and like meeting amazing people on Renaissance walking tours and, you know, going to Rome and going to Luca and go exploring Tuscany and go to Pisa. And then I kept going. I, I did Edinburgh and then I went to Budapest and Bratislava, Slovakia. And then I went to Vienna and Germany. And yes, it was about going to these places, but it was about the discovery in myself mm-hmm. and the amount of excitement was just like no other and that's the bit where i sat on top of um the gallard mountain in budapest and i saw the danube and i looked out and i was like i i i'm at a really good place yeah like i'm here i'm exploring i'm living i was just lara like they were, again about the identity i wasn't a student i wasn't a podcast host i wasn't an advocate i wasn't somebody with anorexia i was just a curious 22 year old exploring the world mm-hmm. and that was enough for the yeah. first time in my life i felt enough like my hair was greasy i was carrying 15 kilo backpacks working my way through hostels and probably looking exhausted and in need of a good dose of deodorant but you just feel amazing um so i feel like although i've missed a lot of life I've come out of it at a relatively young age mm-hmm. and I take it with a lot of gratitude. Um, so to have the opportunity to be able to take advantage of life now um, because I haven't been able to previously, I'm taking it and just absolutely running with it. Um, and I'm still young and yes, I have missed a few years, but I've, I've got a whole, a whole lifetime to take advantage of all the weird and wonderful experiences to come. Yeah. And I think that's what the the really special mentality is that you have. And, and that shift that I think you see in people is sort of going from, oh, I've missed out on all of that to what has the world got to offer? Because, you, you know, yes, you've missed a few years or whatever, but don't let the next few years be missed out on because you're mourning the previous things. And I think what you were saying about you, like, I love that phrase so much, like, living not surviving because when we have an eating disorder it can you are you are living and 
I think you can very much, you can survive. And for so long, I was in a place where I was able to do my job. I was able to hang out with my friends. I was able to do X, Y, and Z. But there comes a point where you you cannot do all of that and balance an eating disorder. And I think yeah. that's the point when you have to decide, okay, am I going to recover from this or am I going to keep just existing basically? Because right now I'm a shell of a person and that's all I'm doing is just existing. But then, you know, you go from that, that very singular uh, label of anorexic and I've always been like oh you know I don't want a label I don't want that on me but actually what I've now decided is yes I do want labels I but I want loads of labels I want to be you know I want to be the person that works in marketing I want to be the crazy cat mum I want to be the really good friend I want to be the person that loves traveling like it is okay to have labels but I think you have to have a lot of labels so that you not yeah. just fixate on one thing because I would say if if I was just the crazy cat mum that probably wouldn't be healthy because I'd only spend time with cats if I was just the the person who works in marketing that wouldn't be very good because all I did was my job if I was just the good friend that's not very good because I'm not thinking about anybody else and all I'm doing is my friends if I'm just the girl who likes going to the gym also not healthy but having all of them that that's a life like that's having a, a little sprinkle yes. yeah i think that's so important like even so my sports psychology side is going to come through um but we have an issue with sometimes athletes exclusively leaving themselves as an athlete because yeah. what if an unexpected an unexpected catastrophic injury happens and then mm-hmm. the career is over they are so tightly consumed by this athletic identity they don't know themselves outside of it so you feel lost you go in this depressive cycle um and as you say you're you know you're a daughter you're a i don't know if you have sister you, you know you you have all these different um you know hats and labels and identities and places where you thrive and i like the fact that although i'm a student i do have other things going on in my mm-hmm. life because i am very much all in all out mm-hmm. i'm very much committed to everything that I do sometimes to a point where it becomes unhealthy like I'm balancing it better now but when I started my undergrad I was so so heavily uh consumed by academic anxiety and perfectionism in the academic context I have so many panic attacks so so I'd get so stressed fortunately now I'm in a better place because I'm kind of used to like the routine and I'm in the same university so there's familiarity but being able to kind of nod to different things and have a breather to one and open another. Uh, it's not about spreading yourself thinly. It's just having more characteristics. Like I like to be a pianist. I like to be the person that enjoys reading in the corner of the room. I like knowing that I can delve into academic literature, but then I know that I can then, you know, take time to go walk the greyhounds and be a crazy dog person. Um, sorry, I'm a dog, a cat, not a cat. Oh, I'm damn it. Um, and the person oh, that collects far podcast. too many monsteras and kills them all. Um, <laughs> so I'm that as, as well as um, a travel enthusiast and a long distance runner and um, 
somebody who's really trying to get into calligraphy you know <laughs> there's, there's random things so yeah yeah I, I think it's good because then you have the different identities and the different things that represent like creativity and outlet and exploration mm -hmm. and balance um and as long as they're good for you uh, that's all we need yeah i think what it's about is having lots of different things so that if one of them isn't accessible there's other things to do yeah um like you were saying with an athlete if they then can't do sport well that's okay because they you know have all these other things or you know you're a good friend backup but plan. if yeah you thought not even a backup plan just having them already there because then it's I think if you have them as like a backup it's then like there is change and that's kind of obvious but if you already have them in your life it's like okay well for, for now we can't do that one thing but that's okay because I've got all these different elements that I can lean into but with an eating disorder it just takes over all of them and you you don't have those other things to lean into because it just completely encapsulates you so then when it comes to recovery it's like okay you've got to now throw out that one and you've now got to bring in all these brand new things and so then you've got the process of learning new things and you're already trying to be a perfectionist to everything so that's just shit um but then you've got to take out this massive thing and so I don't know whether this is controversial but I very much am of the opinion that it needs to be a stepped approach and so rather than just taking the eating disorder and throwing it out the window just just takes a little thing out and replace that with something and do it gradually because we all like familiarity like you said and so by absolutely stripping it out I guess for some people it might need to be the rip off the band-aid but yeah well at the end of the day you don't just wake up with it you know very true at, you can't expect it to come to an abrupt halt yeah because for me and i'm sure many people could relate it's just a small behavior that then adds on to another one and adds on to another one mm -hmm. and then it manifests yeah and it's quite a sinister manifestation because it happens so slowly you don't realize it and as you said it becomes subconscious some of those behaviors and some of those tendencies that you develop so if these things developed just just gradually but to an extent, then you realize years down the line, oh, we're actually in a pretty, we're in a pickle here. Don't expect to have a magic potion and then it vanish. You know, you've got to come back down realistically too, because if we go black to white, that's where lapses happen. Um, if you take consideration and again, that notion of self-compassion and knowing that we've got to be kind to ourselves and it's not something that we're going to wake up and it's going to be gone. It's just stripping it back like i hate to make a shrek reference but like a like an onion <laughs> Love we it. are layered all of us have layers <laughs> as well as us little complicated beings yeah i shades of gray i always say my therapist is always like i'm like oh so i did this thing and then i did this thing and she's like well where was the shade of gray in that hannah <laughs> like, well, it wasn't it was it was white and then it was black and that's not the way to approach things um but yeah i feel like that was i really insightful and i feel really motivated from that to go and Unleash. Go on Skyscanner and book a travel <laughs> Oh no, please don't. Because I just got back from, I went to Colombia in July and I've just got back from Indonesia and Tenerife. And I'm like, I just want to go on holiday okay, again. I've not done, I've not done Asia yet. So Ooh. 
yeah, now I've, so I didn't really want to not, not go to Asia, but it just was like, because as a child, we'd always gone um, to America. I was like, America, Canada and Europe, that's like my vibe. And then going to Indonesia, I'm now like, oh my God, like Vietnam, Thailand, Malaysia, oh, don't, don't, Australia. Don't, I just started a master's degree and all I wanted to do was go out there for six months and go through the islands and go to Laos and go to Indonesia. And uh, when when you like, do get I, I to read, Indonesia, so I recently came back from Tunisia and I read Eat, Pray, Love, and oh. I was like, oh my god, I need to go, I need to go. Yeah. Well, when you do go to Indonesia, um, I'll be asking recommendations. Go to Gilear <laughs> because honestly, most beautiful place in the world. Like I can't even describe it. It's unreal. I'm gonna put it into Google now as we speak. Yeah. I saw eight turtles in an hour when I went snorkeling. And Dory and Nemo and loads of tangs and an octopus. Oh, they came from Australia to see you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's how considerate of them. I know. Uh, right, well, we've very much gone off track, but I do think that that's a really nice way to end it because for me, my travel in Indonesia has kick-started my recovery. Um, I was I'm really, so really happy struggling to hear. beforehand. Congratulations. And yeah. going there was just like, yeah, we've got to do this now um so thank you so much that time has gone so quickly i can't believe I, know, that we've, right? I feel like we've just like completely just chatted like two little friends um having a nice little catch-up even though we've never met um where can people find more of you to listen oh, i feel like i ask this to people and i wonder why they stall and now i'm stalling um i, <laughs> I am... don't know what i do <laughs> <laughs> you know who am i um i am uh on Wow. Majority of platforms, but it's Lara Rebecca on cool. Instagram it's and Twitter. Hello it's Lara and Lara welcome to the Full of Beans podcast, podcast is hosted by myself, Hannah Hickenbotham. Um, Throughout these podcast episodes, we will speak to a range of individuals control. about their experience of eating disorders but it's very with the aim of increasing awareness and understanding whilst reducing stigma and isolation. Please note that the topics discussed in this podcast may be triggering for some individuals. So tread lightly, check in with yourself and reflect on these conversations. So that ceases to exist. But no, it's the podcast and the um, Instagram that I tend to promote the most content. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, I very much look forward to when the Masters is done, seeing all the travel that goes on, because I uh, imagine it's going to oh, be... So much. So much. <laughs> Amazing.